get it Monday, June 1st, 2020. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important offices, resources, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone had a great week outside of podcast land. Again, with your listenership, your subs, your ratings and reviews, we were again number one in the U.S. in the government podcast category on Apple Podcasts. And we were charted just outside of the top 50 at number 51 for all podcasts in the U.S. And according to Chartable, we were number one in the U.S. and globally trending in the government category, number eight in the U.S. in society and culture podcast. And we charted in government categories in Great Britain, Canada, Australia, number one in Angola, number four in Mexico. Welcome to all of our international listeners. Just a great week for the podcast all the way around. And I have a suspicion that it had to do something with being featured. Uh, you know, we're on VA's Vet Resources newsletter every week, but we were featured in our own email that went out to over 9 million veteran email accounts. You know, to me, it means more veterans get to listen to the information provided and they get to listen to the stories of our brothers and sisters. And it all has to do with you and your support. So whether you're a new listener or have been listening for a while, thank you for keeping us in your podcatcher of choice. And please, if you haven't yet, leave a rating and preferably a review because that only not lets me know how I'm doing and, I, and that I'm bringing you the content that you want. But it also gives us the chance to be featured and recommended to more of our brothers and sister veterans who are still looking out there in podcast land and haven't discovered us yet. Uh, like I said, ratings and reviews, we hit 250 ratings. I cannot thank you enough. Uh, I remember this time last year, we were looking into re releasing Mel Brooks's interview and holding up for ransom for a combined uh, 100 ratings and reviews. And I think with the reviews, we've tripled that goal. I did get one review last week. This one is from Dennis7x. Five stars. I missed the camaraderie and thought I was all alone. I'm in my 60s now and feel connected again. Thank you. Dennis, you are never alone. Veterans, much like we, we were in the military, we're a tight-knit band who support one another. If you feel alone, you can always turn this podcast on, brother, or write into the show at the email podcast at va.gov. Welcome to the family. Okay, news releases. Looks like we only have one this week compared to uh, the last previous weeks, thank goodness. Um, and it's a good news one. It says, for immediate release, Gary Sinise Foundation donates meals to VA hospital staff during COVID-19 pandemic. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs announced recently that the Gary Sinise Foundation has committed to providing up to 20,000 meals to VA healthcare and frontline workers. VA's voluntary service is working with the Gary Sinise Foundation Emergency COVID-19 Combat Service to identify more than 80 VA medical facilities across the nation that will receive the meals over the coming weeks. Since April 1st, the Emergency COVID-19 Combat Service has been helping to meet the urgent needs of veterans, first responders, military, healthcare workers, and all of those on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic through serving meals, providing personal protective equipment, and donating decontamination equipment across the country. For more information on VA Voluntary Service, go to volunteer.va.gov. And for more information on the Emergency COVID-19 Combat Service, go to GarySiniseFoundation.org forward slash emergency hyphen COVID hyphen 19 hyphen service. 
All right. So what if I told you that you were the owner of the largest adult sports league and special events company in a large metro area? And your entire business model was to organize events, you know, large social gatherings of people. And then the coronavirus hit. How would you fare? Well, this former Army National Guard veteran figured out how to digitally pivot his entire business and survive. And he's going to tell you how he did it right now. He is Army National Guard veteran Luke Wade. Enjoy. Luke, you're out of Kansas City, right? Yes. Yep. Kansas City, Missouri, for those who uh, aren't familiar. We're, we're actually in both states, but I'm in the... I'm right at, right across the border from Kansas in downtown Kansas City. Okay. That's got to be a great city to be in right now with you guys, uh, with you, what you're doing, with being involved in sports and entertainment, and the Chiefs finally bringing, bringing home a Lombardi trophy. Only took 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing, to be honest. I, uh, yeah, it was just an amazing season. I've, I've actually been a season ticket holder for 10 years through my company, and my friends and I started going religiously a couple years ago. and. It's been amazing. It's been an amazing ride. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. The uh, the second loudest stadium in the NFL. This this coming from a Seahawks fan. Oh, um, all right, all right. <laughs> are you originally from Kansas City? No, I'm actually originally from south of St. Louis, in an area Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Okay. Um, it's uh, just about two hours south of St. Louis, actually on the other side of the state, on borders Illinois as well. God, wow, you're right there, kind of in the in the corner there, in the boot hill, as we call it. <laughs> Um, so before we get into, so let's go back there. Uh, when and where in your life did you decide to join the National Guard? You know, I was uh, I was 16, and you know, I was really wanting to go to college, and you know, my family wasn't really in the financial standpoint of going to college, and so it was basically like figure out how you're going to pay for it. And you know, it, it's funny, I didn't really think of it as you know, right away as like, I wasn't like pulled to join the military, but my family all had been in the military. My um, uncle, uh, one of my uncles was in Desert Storm. My grandfather was in World War II. Um, I have another uncle who was in the Army National Guard. Only one actually wasn't in was my own father. Um, but, you know, it was really at first just to pay for school. Um, and so um, I had just joined and it was actually pre 9-11. So there wasn't really any wartime. It was just like, oh, this is neat. I could pay for school and get some military training. Um, and it sounded great. Um, so that was the original idea when I was 16. I obviously had to wait till I turned 17 and then joined in between high school. And about six months later, uh, 9-11 happened. So it completely changed uh, everything. Wow. So right before 9-11. Yeah, I joined in, uh, it was May of 2011. And I went to basic training the next month. And it was, it was in between my junior and senior year of high school. Came back and a month later, 9-11 happened. <laughs> wow. What was your, what was your MOS? I know you're, a, uh, I know you're a computer programmer. Did you learn that in the guard or were you like, were you like an S six guy? No, I really wish I would have, you know, I, uh, was, you know, I don't know what to call it. I guess I was just young and didn't really do my research and just kind of sure. did whatever was in my area. So I actually ended up being a 62 echo, which, you know, looking back on it, I'm actually glad it all worked out. Um, but uh, which is a heavy equipment operator. So basically anything with wheels or tracks, I can drive it. Um, bulldozers, scrapers, graders, 16 wheelers, things like that. Um, and what was funny is my first job out of college was actually working, building software for a construction agency. So all the knowledge I learned doing um, all the heavy equipment operating in the military actually worked, worked out really well. 
Very good. Very good. Um, so you're in the guard as a heavy equipment operator. Did you guys get activated? You guys, you guys had one deployment. Uh, where'd you guys go? Uh, we were stationed in, um, uh, on Azaria, which is, was South Iraq. South. Uh, just, yep. Very South. So we were actually in a, you know, it was a Talil air force base, I think is what they called it. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's been so long now. It's really, <laughs> it's so funny how the things you block out, you remember and, and what you don't, but yeah, it was, uh, on Azaria, a Talil air force base and we were in South, but due to my MOS, I actually went all over the country. I, um, we actually transported bulldozers up to Fallujah when, uh, the Marines actually invaded Fallujah and we helped build the berms around Fallujah. So we were a big part of that. We actually didn't have any up armor on our dozers. So we welded plates to the outside of it. Um, so yeah, I got to see a lot of, um, Iraq. Um, you can look at it as a good thing or a bad thing. I look at it as, as a good thing. I mean, I, I was exposed to Baghdad, all, all the places all over just because of my MOS. And I got to see a lot of unique things. Gotcha. The only reason I remember Naz Nazaria's was uh, one of the main MSRs. So uh, I was at Al Assad, and I just remember seeing Al Nazaria way down there in the middle of nowhere. Yep i <laughs> I visited uh, I visited that location. Now, while you were in, give me either a a best friend or your greatest mentor. You know, my best friend uh, was actually my the sergeant who is above me, but also my bunkmate in our little tent area, uh, Sergeant Massey, Jeff Massey. Uh, he just you know, he cared about everyone. He truly listened and looked out for the best of his platoon. Um, and so he was, you know, right there with me the whole time. Obviously, you know, over a year together, you can get annoyed with each other. But um, he was a very, very great, uh, great guy, great leader. And we're still friends to this day. And he's still in. He's actually gone up the ranks. And I think he's looking to retire soon. So he's a he, Jeff Massey was just a great guy that whole time. Still is. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that we're at the time of our, our lives where you think about that time. And we were kids, you know, sergeants, and it, it kind of seems like yesterday. And then you turn around and you look at the same, the people, they're master sergeants or generals or, or colonels, and they're about ready to get out. Yes. I, you know, <laughs> when he last told me, I can't remember what it was. He actually just visited Kansas city for a military uh, event and I got to see him and he was telling me I, he was like an E7. And I just was like, I remember when we, you know, we actually used to call ourselves uh something really funny because we were all, you know, specialists or whatever, or with a specialist crew or something like that. And we always yeah. got, you know, the worst duty and things like that. And I'm and just thinking now, yeah, you're absolutely right. E7 just seemed like so unattainable at that time in your life, you know, and now here we are, the, the ones leading the younger ones. So um, I'm not, I'm not in no long any longer, but uh, he is. And a lot of my friends still are, and I can see them doing great things. So I'm glad they stuck with it. Yeah, there's something to be said about being part of the Lance Criminal Underground Network or, or the Specialist Underground Network. And then, and, and, you know, you either, you know, die a hero or live long enough to become the villain as some of our, some of our peers have become the villains. <laughs> I love the Batman quote. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you talked about that you got out when and where did you decide to get out? You know, I, uh, I, I, when we got back from Iraq, I, I'd spent a year, I got to spend a year and a half in college, um, doing computer programming. I knew that's what I wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, and I, I also got to play football. So after I, after nine 11 happened and I came back from basic training and my senior year, actually basic training made me that much better for football. And so I actually ended up getting a scholarship to play football, oh, wow. um, where, where? Uh, Southeast Missouri state university. Wow. Um, it's actually down in Cape Girardeau near my hometown, but, uh, D D two school. So, um, this is hey, a really nice scholarship scholarship. Exactly. Right. So, um, and I was just happy to play football, but you know, so I got to spend a year and a half at, at Southeast Missouri state and I got to play football and I was doing my, you know, entry level classes and a couple computer programming classes. And then, you know, my unit got called up to go to Iraq. And so, um, 
I was actually 20 years old when we got sent over and I turned 21 while we were there. So, uh, mm. you know, after that amount of time coming back, um, you know, I couldn't get back into football after being in it your whole life and taking a year off. It's just too hard to come back. And so uh, I finished school yeah. in May of 2008. And actually, my seventh year up in the Army National Guard was in the same month. So I got out of the military the same month I graduated college. And be part of that was because I was looking at moving up to Kansas City, which is where my brother ended up after we got back from Iraq. Um, so yeah, same month, graduated, got out of the military and moved to Kansas City. And I've been here ever since. That's uh, some pretty unique timing there. Not many people it, do that. <laughs> it was amazing. You know, I, I'm not sure. Honestly, I don't even remember how it worked out, but it was basically, it was perfect. So. Was that was that right before the recession? It was in the middle of the recession. Um, so, uh, it yeah. like right, well, I may, not the middle, right in the beginning, because I moved up in Kansas City in May of 2008, and it actually took me six months to find a job. So, I remember being very difficult. Um, yeah. I got lucky with a startup here and uh, was one of their first hires and stuck with them for quite a while. And I actually ended up, you know, buying a house with a VA loan in May 2000 or in 2010, which was, was in the middle of the recession or near the end of it. So I, uh, I, I was telling people recently, I, I feel like I've been on both ends of a pandemic and a recession. I've been on the good end when it was the recession in 2008, 2010. And now, you know, my entire business shut down in the pandemic right now. So I'm, you know, it's funny how you get both, both perspectives sometimes. You're completely shut down? No, my, my what would if you looked at my business before May fifteenth, everything we were doing at that point is shut down. We have been very lucky. I, I I pivoted very quickly, and so we have a kind of a new realm of virtual things that we're doing that have been very successful and that we're doubling down on. But my business, as I knew it before May fifteenth, is completely different. Yeah, no, I I yeah, I can only imagine, and we'll get into that in a sec. But I wanted to go back a little bit before. Um, when you first got out, it sure. took six months to get the job. What, what was, what would you say would be one thing that helped you finally land something during like a, a you know recession uh, that that era? You know, honestly, it was just persistence. I was doing four or five interviews a week, um, and you know, I just remember and you know, people not even calling you back for months. I remember it was, I was four months into my job and someone called me back to hire me after I, it, I interviewed five <laughs> months before. And so I, I just did so many interviews and I just, I was all over the place back then. It was, you know, monster.com. I actually ended up finding my job through a Craigslist posting. Um, but I was on every, you know, resume site, every job site you could think of. I was taking every interview I could get um, just to find anything, um, you know, right out of college, you're, you're young, you're hungry and you, you know, you want to do something. And so I was, I was just, honestly, I feel like it was persistence. I just did as much as I could and did, you know, interviewed with everyone I could. Got you. Now you said you used the, 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 the home loan, the VA home loan program in 2010. That, that must've been a rock bottom price. Cause that was right. Like you said, that was right in the middle of the recession. That was a good time um, to buy. I got very, very lucky. I cannot express that enough. And what's even funnier is, you know, I, I didn't really think about being a veteran, like, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but growing up as a young kid, you know, you see, you know, my grandfather's a veteran, my uncles are veterans. And, you know, you, you know, I don't, they don't, I didn't really see a lot of like, benefits, you know, for our veterans back when I was a kid, it didn't look like, oh, this is the best thing in the world. So when I was actually house searching, 
um, you know, I didn't even tell my real estate agent that I was a veteran for three or four months. Oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. so my veteran or my real estate agent actually pulled it out of me and she's like, wait, are you were in the military? I was like, yeah, I went to Iraq. She's like, you're a veteran. I said, yeah. And she's like, you, you can, you know, you can get a VA home loan, no money down. Like she started going crazy. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I had no idea. So I, you know, I didn't realize, and now I know there are a lot of great things out there for veterans and there's some great programs and I'm learning more and more and I'm learning how I can even give back. I mean, such as this podcast, I'm now, you know, I learned about it through the VA's newsletter. And so I've learned a lot over the years on all the great benefits out there for veterans. And one of them was, yes, the VA home loan, no money down. So I went from renting a house to basically renting a house that I owned because <laughs> I didn't have to put any money down. It was also during, wow. you know, all the rebates for first time home buyers and then, you know, putting in like new electric and new, you know, heating and air that were energy efficient got bonuses. And so I actually came out very, very ahead. And I found a great neighborhood in Kansas City that actually my house has, you know, grown quite a bit of value just from being in the neighborhood. So I got very, very lucky. Wow. Wow. Um yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, I work for the VA now and there's so many, pro- I, I, every five, every, every on the five. So like episode 15 or episode 20 or episode 25, I do what's called a benefits breakdown where I go internal into the VA and I go and find a program or an office or something. And I go, Hey, Oh, what do you do? How do you help veterans? You know, cause there's, like you said, there's so many programs within the VA. Yeah. And, and I mean, especially that, that's great. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go back and listen to those. <laughs> I listened to several uh, after I heard about this and I, they've been great so far. So thank you again for that. But uh, the that. newsletter has been amazing. I mean, um, you know, learning about this, learning about vet ticks, you know, just all the cool things that I've learned through the newsletter have been amazing. And so, yeah, thank you for that. And I'm looking forward to going back through those yeah. podcasts. <laughs> no, I appreciate No, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, let's talk about finding your way to becoming an, an entrepreneur. Um, you didn't, did you start a business when you first came out? But it sounds like you had a job first. Um, how long did you spend in the corporate world before you decided to go out on your own? I was in the corporate world for about seven years. Um, so I graduated in 08. Um, but it only took me about four years to start my business. So there was some overlap in there. To be okay. honest, I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur for three years into my business. Um, when I first came out of school, you know, I had the computer programming job at a software company. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> when I first came out of school, I had my, my job at a computer software company. And then I essentially got hired at a amazing agency building websites for Southwest Airlines, Wendy's, things like that. And I was really loving it. But being new to Kansas City, I didn't really know a lot of people. And I was living downtown, but I, and I was working downtown. But yet, you know, I love sports. So I was driving outside, of, outside the city to play sports and meet new friends. And I was kept wondering why I had to drive 30 minutes outside of Kansas City to play softball and sand volleyball, especially mm. when Kansas City really was putting in a lot of time and effort to rebuild our downtown, which it's amazing now. But back then it was just like, hey, it's cool. Check it out. And I started thinking like, why aren't we doing more of that downtown? And so I, I just went, literally went to Parks and Rec and said, how do I rent a softball field? And then I asked some of my friends if they would play if I rented the field. And I did. And within it, the first year, we had a thousand people sign up to play softball and sand volleyball wow. just two nights a week. Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty shocking. And what's funny is I would just leave my day job at five o'clock and go set the fields up every night, run them myself, sometimes play in them. Um, and within three years of doing that, we had 3000 people playing a year. And so, wow. uh, yeah. And even at the end of that three years with the 3000 people, you know, I'm seeing all these people in Kansas city walking around wearing our shirts. And I start walking into our bar sponsors and seeing people in our shirts that I didn't know when it all started with my friends. I'm like, who are these people? You know? So it was, it was really, um, 
astonishing to me to see how many people were grasping onto something that I just had barely put any time into. And so, yeah, so it took me, I guess it was about four years after um, college before I started anything. And then it was three years after that before I left out and went on my own. Got you. Wow. Real quick. You said you worked for a computer software company, but is the office one of your favorite movies? <laughs> it really is. Even back in the day before, probably in college is when I fell in love with that movie, but yes. I'm it sorry, was, office it, space, not, not the office. Yeah. But yeah, office yeah. Group. I know. I, I got what you meant. You're talking about the stapler and the uh, yes. TPS reports. Yes. I, we're on the same Lumberg. Yeah. We're on the yes. same page for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Love, you know what? Oh my gosh, you just brought a memory back that I completely forgot about. Let's hear that it. That is so funny. So, you said office space, you know how they beat up the printer, that scene of them beating up the printer? One of the best scenes ever in that movie. One of my first videos I made to promote Casey Crew was us beating up a TV saying, Get out <laughs> off your couch and get outside to play. I, I cannot it. believe I forgot about that. I, I'll you, have to send you that video. I definitely still have it. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the blog. We'll definitely oh put it my in the gosh. blog. That's Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you check out blogs.va.gov, that it'll be there. Yep, it'll be there. Awesome. Now you're now the largest adult sports and events company in Kansas City. I, I when I briefed this to my to my leadership, I said uh, adult entertainment. So I want to make sure I don't say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a little <laughs> bit different. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. No, you do things like pub crawls and 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 softball leagues and and trivia nights. Um, you know, for that. For being the biggest one in Kansas City, congratulations! Uh, some pretty impressive numbers too. Fifty-one thousand now. Now you're up to fifty-one thousand participants in your leagues, get-togethers. Um, before COVID nineteen hit, what you talked about softball? But what what other events and leagues did you organize? Yeah, so I want to make a point of you know I think the difference between Casey Crew and on what we do and all the other things when you say just people think of pub crawls or softball leagues is we focus on experiences. It's not just a softball league. It's not just a pub crawl walking around to different bars and you know kind of boring to be honest. But we focus on the experience and it's all about the people having fun. Our, our values are fun, freedom, and community. So it's all about getting out, meeting new people, and having fun in the community. So our niche is yeah. actually working with directly with parks and rec departments, private entities, public entities to help create a community of people through experiences. So when you say pub crawl, I'm going to tell you in, it, instead of a pub crawl, think of closing down a street, filling it full of zombies and giving you a flag football belt and you go from bar to bar dodging zombies while they try to take your flags. Dig it. So that's one experience we've created. The other one is a, called the downtown open urban golfing up and down Main Street. You use the streetcar as your golf cart. You go chipping off buildings and putting inside bars. We have over a thousand people do it. We partnered with the streetcar when it launched four years ago to help drive traffic to use the streetcar around a fun event. So we focus on experiences. And we also believe in our sports leagues that there's more people that want to play for fun or I say the kids who didn't make the team, then the people who want to yell and argue and win every week. And so that's who we focus on is we're after the kids who want to have fun. And I say kids, but we're adults, you know, and yeah. we still have a good time. So the, there's more people out there who just want to play for fun and casually than, than want to come and argue and, and win every week. And that's who we're after. So we focus on yeah. experiences. But to back to your core question, um, we have about 10 different sports or activities for our leagues, and we have about 15 different event one-day events. So those are two different, I'd say, segments of the company's leagues and events. And our leagues, we have everything from your normal sports of softball, sand volleyball, basketball, kickball, indoor volleyball, um, to golf. But we even do cornhole, pickleball, indoor virtual golf, um, and also karaoke leagues. Um, so we have about 10 to 12 different. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. There's a league, there's a league for karaoke. Yes. 
That always happens. Yeah, I made it up um, about five <laughs> or six years ago. I had the idea to create a karaoke league and I had some friends who loved karaoke and we got together with a piano bar that did live band karaoke. And I, you know, told some friends and we started it and teams show up. It's themed every week. So one week could be eighties. Next week could be Michael Jackson and then country. And so every week teams go head to head and they sing three songs each. One team goes the next team and they go head to head and the crowd votes and the MC votes on the winner. So it's like a softball match, but you're just singing songs and there's props, there's costumes, there's performance. It's, it's unbelievable. We actually don't, I haven't spent a dollar advertising. I've never promoted it and it's sold out for almost five years. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Now uh, the karaoke, the, we actually had a karaoke bar open up and the uh, piano bar closed down. So it was like almost perfect. So we moved everything over to a specific karaoke bar, which made it even better. Very good. Very good. That's, that's, that's very interesting. Um, talk to me about now I did some Google research when you, when you first reached out to me and I kind of saw some real unique stories about what you guys have done on, uh, within Kansas city and revitalizing the infrastructure. You guys have a, do you guys have an old stadium, right? Something that, that was revamped. Yeah. So you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about our Kemper arena is what it's called. And it's been around, I believe, I want to say sixties or seventies is when it's, it was built. Um, but you know, as the time went on, you know, the downtown, the area that got cooler was further away from Kemper arena. And Mm. so they built a new, a new, you know, they built a downtown area called power and light, which is, you know, uh, uh, called Casey live. They've got them on, on a bunch of big cities. It's essentially a mini mall full of bars and concerts. Right next to that, they built the Sprint Center, which is where, you know, Garth Brooks plays and all the big shows happen. So once Sprint Center opened, it took all the business from Kemper Arena. Well, Kemper Arena was owned by the city government. And so when the city government essentially owns a building that loses a million dollars a year in tax dollars, uh, they start to look at tearing it down or revamping it. And luckily, there was an amazing developer who came along and bought it from the city and revamped it into a sports complex. It's a one of a kind. No one's ever done this before. They took a you know, basically like a bold arena, you know, if you're sitting all the way at the top, you can stare all the way down to the bottom, right? And they cut it in half, they built a floating table floor that they put eight uh, basketball courts on it. And then below it, they put four. So there's actually 12 full size basketball courts, volleyball courts, and about 24 pickleball courts on a two level complex in this giant arena. And they built the second largest indoor running track in the United States. There's a gym, breakout room, barbershop, food. I mean, it is honestly a one of a kind thing. And I've been lucky enough to uh, be involved with it. I got to, um, yeah, I say lucky enough. I went to a lot of the meetings and opened my mouth and I couldn't keep it shut. So people started asking me to be involved. So, um, <laughs> we, we actually ended up, I also own a software company. Uh, I built the software that runs all of our sports leagues. And, um, we actually ended up building a separate solution to manage the entire facility of the arena. Um, so they can take bookings 24 seven, they can do maintenance, you know, tasks, to do lists, invoicing clients, scheduling, all of that stuff. So they're not double booking. And so it's been a very much a blessing for me. We also moved our Casey crew offices in there. So we, we office out of this giant arena and it, and we run most of their sports league. So it's been a blessing and honestly, an amazing thing for Kansas city. Incredible. I think it sounds like something that a lot of, uh, a lot of small towns, a lot of cities, a lot of a lot of things with the like you said, abandoned arenas should maybe possibly take a look at. That's that sounds incredible. Yeah, it's been amazing, you know, and it and it's it was because of all the other stuff we've done. You know, I didn't even know what economic development meant until people started telling me I was doing it, and so I started <laughs> googling what economic development was because you know we started playing in parks. 
uh, that's like Parks and Rec. After three years, Parks and Rec in Kansas City came to me and said, how are you doing this? You're renting fields we haven't rented in 10 years. And you're selling them out. And you're going to fields we've never rented before. And you're selling those out. Like, how are you doing this? And how can we help you? And so we actually formed a partnership with the Kansas City, Missouri Parks and Rec um, to start using more fields and driving more people into certain areas. And so we've redeveloped a lot of parks because our people are down there playing. It's almost like you build it and they will come mentality. We drive people down because they want to play. Then they realize how cool of an area it is. And then things start to build up around it. The city puts dollars in to improve it. And we've done that in five or six different areas in Kansas City, one of them being the riverfront. Um, our riverfront is one of the most underutilized riverfronts in the United States. And they've yeah. been changing that over the last five years. We were the first ones down there. We partnered with the government entity that owned the riverfront property. And we built six sand volleyball courts directly on the riverfront. I actually uh, was only saying to build three. I was worried we weren't going to sell out all six. And within a year, we sold out all six. And that was about four and a half years ago. And now we're actually building a food and beverage concept around them. There's been uh, apartment buildings open up. There's offices opening up. There's a dog park bar that opened up on the riverfront all after we started driving people down there. So it's been an amazing thing for us to just be involved in all these different parts of the city. And I think that's what makes us so unique is we don't have one space. We're not tied to one location. We work with partners and bars and restaurants and private and public all over the city. We're actually in two states now. We run all of Kansas City, Missouri adult programming and Overland Park, Kansas adult programming as well. Incredible. Incredible. Now, we're all currently indoors. It's incredible to talk about all these things that, that were happening before March. Um, how are you getting by uh, by being an event organizer? How do you how do you run a sports league, festivals, networking, happy hours, uh, karaoke leagues? If you can't have more than ten people in one place, you have to be six feet apart and everything is closed. How are you? How are you still in business? <laughs> uh, that was everything I asked myself uh, on March fifteenth when we got the CDC shutdown uh, information. You know, I I've just been very lucky, and and I think tying in my computer programming and technology background with the idea of our experience was the first thought in my head. Exactly what you said is, how are we going to survive? What are we going to do if people can't play sports? They can't come to events. Like that's my entire business, and then that includes my software companies because my software is managing people's in-person events and sports leagues and facilities, and so all of it's shut down. And and I got really lucky and just thought, how how do we create a game online that people could play virtually? Um, together, not just playing, you know, from their phone and not no interaction and engagement. It was more about how do we create our social fun environment experience and engagement through a virtual event. And I think my idea was hangman. I, my wife, actually, we were run the company together. Uh, she's been working with us for four years now, quit her x-ray job and runs all of our events side plus more. And she said, yeah, I know we, you know, sometimes we get together with our friends and we'll play hangman while we're drinking. It's, it's kind of fun and ridiculous. But she's like, what about bingo? You know, we, we should try an online bingo. And it, that was it. I was like, bingo, let's do it. And so within four, within three hours of us being shut down, we had put out an event online saying sign up for virtual bingo. So that was Sunday the 15th. We offered the bingo on Friday afternoon as like a happy hour. And wow, when we moved, put it you out, moved, you, had to move, you moved quick. We move very, very quick all the time. And that's one of the things I love about us is we're very agile and we're very creative. And that's one of my superpowers is the creativity. I love being creative and creating new things and 
figuring out how they'll work and then I pass them off to somebody else. But yeah, mm. we, but when we put it out to the public, we had no idea how we were going to do it. <laughs> so we had four <laughs> days to figure it out. We were like, all right, what are we going to do and how are we going to do this? And my wife is, is amazing. She, she dove in and she figured out how to custom make her own bingo cards that she emails to every single person individually. We number them all. So we know who gets what bingo cards. So we can actually check to see if they really do win when they claim they win. So we email them all to you in advance. We use Zoom. And then we go live. And the first time we went live, we actually, we, we have several events where we have a DJ. So the DJ was live when you came into the room and he was welcoming you into the room and wow. playing different songs. And, and everybody was just astounded by this. And it was within four days of this happening. So it was like one of the first people to do it, you know, and, and now everybody's doing the DJs and all the different stuff. But once the, once you got into the room and everybody was in, we opened it up and then we have this giant whiteboard that we had drawn bingo uh, numbers and a board on with all the instructions and, you know, colors. And we color coded all the cards so you could follow along easily. And then we took our old pingo ping pong balls that we used to use for our ping pong leagues. We wrote all the numbers on the ping pong balls and we put them in a chief's bucket and we pulled the balls live out of a hat. And I'm there as like a TV show host making jokes. I wear these funny jackets and I'm, but the difference between <laughs> our events and everyone else's is that experience and engagement. No one is getting that right now. stuck at home. And that's what everyone needs. Mental health, you know, people talk about mental health and I'm very into that. And I'm diving in deeper and deeper every year on how I can get better with my own mental health. It's not just about, you know, meditation and mindfulness. Those are extremely important, but it is about engagement and interaction and just communicating with other people in different ways. And that's what we try and drive in through all of our events is this fun social experience that you're not getting anywhere else. And how I do that, and, you, and we've actually done a bingo with over 150 people. And wow. so live, I'm, I have a giant TV. We set up all the Zoom. I can see everyone's screens on the Zoom. I, throughout the entire event, I'm calling and talking to each person. No one else is talking. They're chatting through the chat, but I'm talking to them. So if I see somebody that has a funny background, I'll make a comment or a funny hat or see them with their hands on their face and their hands like they're not having any fun. I'll say, hey, you know, Jim, don't worry. I'm going to call your ball next. Cheer up. It's going to get better. You know, and the second I call their name, they almost like look around like, is he talking to me? And they become <laughs> engaging and chatting. And it's it's been unbelievable. I've even it's blown my own mind. Like, I don't know how it works. It's just just my personality. That's who I am as I want to talk and interact with everybody. I'll find the guy to party in a corner and go and meet him and introduce him to everybody because I just want everybody to be involved. And that's how I do this bingo. And what's been great now is I actually yesterday we had two bingos and I brought, was able to bring back some of my staff and we're now training them to do it. And my wife ran both the bingos without me yesterday and we still got an amazing uh, results and amazing feedback. And so luckily it's not just me that <laughs> I've been yeah. able to show other people how to do it. So yeah, the bingo was the first one and now we have a whole suite of uh, uh, virtual experiences. Uh, wives are great, man. Um, I, I, I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm more of the dreamer, more of the creative type. Uh, I, my head's always in the clouds, and then my, my wife is the one that builds the ladder to get there. A strong wife is, is such a, a big asset, you know? Yeah, she's amazing. I couldn't do it without her. So, um, what you talked about some other events. What other events you got? Um, so, uh, from Bingo, we, we've tried a whole bunch of different things. We've actually been throwing out... Once Bingo worked, we started doing it three times a week. 
Um, the other stuff we have now are virtual trivia, which is really, really fun. You, you actually have, you can come in with a team and you play with your team all virtually through Zoom, interactive as well. Um, we are uh, rolling out a virtual murder mystery party um, where we'll actually mail you the items that you'll use for clues and maybe even costumes. Um, and then you'll play live on the murder mystery live while different rooms like, uh, you know, Jeff was killed in the kitchen or in the study and there's different rooms and they'll all be themed around that. So virtual mystery parties, we have virtual scavenger hunt, virtual trivia. We're also working on a virtual breakout room as well. Um, and then we actually partnered with our local arts community um, and we created a really cool art event where we, uh, we call it Friday Night Arts. And we have six different artists that go live every 30 minutes from their home studio. And you get one-on-one wow. -on -one interaction with these artists. They're showing what they're working on, things you've never seen before. They tell their stories. Um, and it's everything from just, you know, uh, acrylics, paint, um, you know, paintings to spoken word, musicians, loop artists. Um, oh, it's been absolutely amazing. I'm actually don't consider myself an art buff. Uh, it was my idea. So they made me host it, which I've actually been happy to do. Um, <laughs> and I have literally been blown away every single week. These artists are doing some of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I just didn't know so much about it. So it's been really, really neat. Um, and we donate 50% um, uh, of the proceeds all go back to every single one of those artists. Uh, wow. So it's been really, really cool to do that. So now I'm essentially working with other events. So other people to essentially take their virtual events and make add an experience like ours to it or focus on the experience. So we're working with other people to essentially help them create amazing experiences in their virtual and then someday bring back the in-person events. So you're doing a little, little consulting on the side as well. Yeah, we, you know, right now our, our core business is people are hiring us to just do virtual bingos and trivia and our virtual events experiences for their staff. We're doing it for nonprofits as fundraisers, which has been really unique. Uh, we actually have done three bingos for one nonprofit that's raised over $3,000. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's been really cool. You know, so right now we're just, we're, we're, we're booked five or six times a week with private bingos and trivias um, that for different companies, that's, which has been unbelievable. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing, amazing pivot, Luke. Um, okay. You're an event entertainment expert here. Uh, for those that are still on house arrest or quarantine or whatever you want to call it, give me a couple things that they, they can do while they're at home to help with all the all the stir craziness. We actually, what's funny is the same time we put out bingo, one of the first other things we put out was our top 10 things to do from home during the coronavirus list. There you um, go. <laughs> and what it was, exactly. So, and that's grown. We now have more lists, but that was one of the first things that, again, my wife and I were like, what are we going to do if we can't go outside? And so we started seeing our friends sharing like, Oh, go check this out. You can do this from home or do that. And I just started seeing it so many places that I thought we need to put this together in one place so people can find this information. And so, especially for our members. So we have the top 10 things you can do from home. We have a long online events and activities you can do from home. Um, and some of them are just like, you can watch the Metropolitan Opera live stream concerts. This is, this is standard now. Like everybody knows all these artists are going live now and and they're yeah. seeing it now, but when we did this, there wasn't, nobody was doing it yet. Um, so we put out, you know, you can learn something new from Video Jug. You can virtually tour over 500 museums and galleries from home. Obviously, online workouts, online cooking classes, you know, online yoga now. There's the True American Drinking Game. If you're into uh, the New Girl show, there's actually an entire game you can play at home, which is really fun. We, we did that with our friends before the uh, shutdown happened. Um, <laughs> learning a new language, um, you know, starting a music career, um, outside of the box ways to socialize. There's, you know, one of the cool things my neighborhood actually did was 
the rainbows and bears neighborhood hunt where all the neighbors put up bears in their windows. And as the kids are walking around the neighborhood, they count the bears and collect the bears virtually, you know, you know, you know, in their head. And then they try and count how if they found them all. And so that was really cool. We did that in my neighborhood. Uh, you, there's ways you can turn your home into a mini golf course uh, using your uh, <laughs> your uh, uh, air vents. It's actually really cool. You can buy air vent replacements that have putting ball holes in it so you can putt around your home. Didn't uh, know that. That's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so we have all these. All these are listed on our website at caseycrew.com. Like I said, we have the 10 ways to have fun during the coronavirus, um, online events and activities you can live stream from home, and then we came out with uh, ways to support local businesses from home. So we've got a whole bunch of lists and items you can do. Um, but honestly, it's, you know, one of the cool things we've done, just even with personally, you know, my family only gets together a couple times a year because we're all over the country. And we've been doing, you know, weekly Zoom dinners and parties and i know a lot of people are doing that and it's actually been really really neat you know it's been great to get together with my family so you know just anything that you know helps you you know get that social interaction is what i would suggest very good very good um luke what's what's one thing that you learned in service that you apply to what you do today oh lead from the trenches um you know i i never and i've heard this my whole life too but you know, I never do anything I wouldn't ask. I, w- I never ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself. And, you know, I started running my all the leagues, umpiring them myself, taking out trash, you know, raking fields. Like, I- I'm always on the mindset of, like, I will do anything that, you know, I ask my employees to do. And I most likely already have. And so, um, you know, I just – I had some pretty rough experiences, you know, in the military through some leadership Um you know, not all of them, obviously, I had some great ones, but there were some rough ones in there. And and again, those are learning experiences, take what I didn't like about those leadership moments and apply them to my team and my staff. And that's absolutely what I try and remember. And I think part of that is also open and transparency. You know, one of the things the kids hate to hear is, why do I have to do that? Because I said so, right? Why don't you explain it to me? Let me understand it. And so that I've done that with my nephew, my niece, you know, um, and, and all my employees, like even during this time, the second this happened, you know, we did have to let some employees go. I sat down with them and I just was as open, as honest and transparent as I possibly could be. Financial problems, everything we were struggling with and my plans and goals and how they could help if they wanted to be involved. And, you know, I've been that way through this entire, my entire company. And so I'm very open and transparent um, with everything. And I believe that that's very important, especially if you can get your employees to buy in and be more than employees and be team members and show them the finances and show them why their job makes the company better and why that improves their salary and payroll. Like they're going to, they're going to buy into that way more than just saying, because I said, so it's your job, you know, that that's not, that doesn't work anymore. You really need to be open and transparent with everyone. And that's, that's how I live my life. Very good. Um, Luke, is there a veteran nonprofit or individual you've worked with uh, or you've had experience with whom you'd like to mention? Yes. Um, changed my life. Uh, the Battle Within. It's called The Battle Within. It's a Kansas City-based nonprofit that is It's a, essentially a week-long program free for anyone with trauma. They started out with veterans and first responders, but you can go and it's a week-long program. You actually go and stay there and it's all around trauma and mental health. And it changed my life. I went through it three and a half years ago, having a lot of anger issues, um, some you know PTS. Um, things that were just really affecting everything in my life. And, you know, I couldn't control the anger and things like that. And going through this program changed my entire life. And um, it's really helped me a lot. And so I would, you know, the Warriors Ascent is what the number one thing I would recommend to anyone that's looking to, you know, having any of the problems or looking to get over or get help with trauma. 
Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. And it is Kansas City based. Um, I would say the other one is the Veterans Community Project. They've actually gotten some great uh, national rec- uh, recognition through uh, TV shows and things like that. But they are based in Kansas City. They essentially build tiny homes for homeless veterans and help them get on their feet and get their jobs and things like that. And it's been, they're amazing. Is that the one, is that, the one that Patrick Mahomes has pushed? Yes. Or was yep. on? Gotcha, gotcha, yep. gotcha. Yep. And, and it's called the Veterans Community Project. And that that's based in Kansas City as well. So we were doing, Kansas City's got some amazing things. I actually found out there's more nonprofits in Kansas City than the entire, uh, than anywhere else in the United States. Um, so we're very giving here. We're very um, conscious of helping others. And, and I, I love that. And I love being here for that. Very good. Luke, um, man, it, it's been great talking with you. Uh, is is there anything else that I might have missed that you think it's, it'd be important for listeners to to hear? You know, right now, I, um, I'm not sure when this is going out, but currently, um, you know, it's tough times. You know, people are confused. I know in Kansas City, we have different mandates from Missouri and and Kansas and our own city of Kansas City on when things are opening and the phase process. So it's very confusing. People don't know what to do yet. And I just want to say that, you know, you're not alone. Every day you wake up alive, is it should be a good day. And you should look at it that way. And what can you do to improve your life and your life around you? And, you know, if there's anything I can do to help you, please reach out to me. I also have the communitycreator.com where I help other people create amazing experiences and find their passion and create a business with that. Um, so if I can help you in any way, I'd love to do that. But you know, you're not alone. We're all going through this together. And I, I've, I've said that many times that, you know, as a business, if my business shut down, and it was just me, I'd feel horrible. I still feel horrible. But the fact that we're all going through this together does provide a little bit of comfort. Um, and, and, you know, if you can help others, I would say now's the time to help others because it's going to go a million miles. So uh, thanks again for having me. And I, I love to help anyone out there that I can. We grew up together. We believed in something bigger than ourselves. The military took me to one side of the world and her to the other. And even though she was always the strong one, when we caught up years later, I found out she had fallen on some hard times. It was her call to make, but doing it together made all the difference. For veterans who are homeless or on the brink of homelessness, call 877-424-3838. I want to thank Luke for reaching out and coming on the show. For more information on Luke and his post-military career, visit kccrew.com forward slash about. In the spirit of our recent SpaceX flight, which was rescheduled as of this recording, and in honor of the closing of Asian American Pacific History Month, our Born the Battle Veteran of the Week was submitted to our VA Social Media's Veteran of the Day program. Every day we honor a veteran by telling their story on blogs.va.gov and featuring them on all of our social media platforms. If you haven't seen it, check it out. They do a great job. Recently, the National Cemetery Administration, in collaboration with Carry the Load, recently nominated the story of Air Force veteran Ellison S. Onizuka. Ellison Onizuka was born June 24, 1946 in Kona, Hawaii. He graduated from Konawaena High School and earned his bachelor's and master's of science degrees in aerospace engineering from the University of Colorado. After receiving his commission, Onizuka entered active duty with the Air Force on January of 1970 as an aerospace flight test engineer with the Sacramento Air Logistics Center at McClellan Air Force Base, California, 
He participated in numerous flight test programs. He attended the Air Force Test Pilot School from August of 74 to July of 75 and logged more than 1,700 hours of flying time. He then served with the Air Force Flight Test Center at Edwards Air Force Base, California as a flight test engineer and later as chief of the engineering support section. Selected for the astronaut program in January of 78, Onizuka completed one year of evaluation and training. He worked on the experimentation team, the orbiter test team, and the launch support crew at Kennedy Space Center. At NASA, he worked with the Shuttle Avionics and Integrated Laboratory with the Test and Revision Software Team and was promoted to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. Onizuka's first space mission took place on January 24th of 85. He served as a mission specialist. After 48 orbits around the Earth, the Space Shuttle Discovery landed at Kennedy Space Center three days later. By that time, Onizuka had completed 74 hours and was the first Asian American to fly in space. Unfortunately, he was then assigned to the Space Shuttle Challenger that took off from Kennedy Space Center on the morning of January 28, 1986. The shuttle exploded 73 seconds after launch, and all seven crew members died. Onizuka is interred at the National Memorial of the Pacific in Hawaii at Section D, Site 1. We honor his service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born in the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born in the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcasting app, notifone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, RallyPoint, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I am reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast nor any immediate products or services they may provide. Thank you again for listening and making this podcast what it is. And we'll see you right here next week. Take care.